This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Virrell Miguels. Chapter 12 Horses and Humans. Never had a premier of society's pet function been so brilliant. Never had the gilded hostelries of Gotham entertained so great a number of guests at horse-show dinners, nor had special decorations and favors at the gorgeous dining-rooms ever been so lavish or so costly. It was the night of the horse and splendor, the splendor of raiment, jewels, and beauty for which American women are famous throughout the world. The attendance at huge, old, transformed Madison Square Garden was more brilliant than either the show or the setting. It was late when the boxes began to fill, the arena boxes separated from the horse's ring only by the railed-off promenade. Superbly gowned and furred, the women began to arrive at nine, despite the fact that many ring events had been scheduled for an hour earlier. At half-past nine, with six magnificent teams of heavy draft horses proudly entering upon the tan-bark, and the boxes practically filled, the band, by mere coincidence, struck up the German national anthem, and thoroughly, and Alice arrived. A murmur of excitement, admiration, and homage almost instantly arose. No more exquisitely regal figure had ever graced the garden than thoroughly presented, moving slowly with Alice and her party to their box. Never had Thurley's fresh young beauty so glowed an irradiated charm. She was gowned like a veritable princess at this fairy court. With herself and Alice were Lady Honor Calthrop, Major Rutherford of the 7th British Hussars, the Honorable Miss Dorothy Hedrington, Lieutenant Lee Gerard Curtis, 14th Cavalry, USA, and his wife, all of whom had comprised the Van Kirk dinner party at the plaza. Thurley had never been more happily excited in her life than when, as they reached their box and assumed their seats, the beauty and thrill of it crept to her senses, and the wine of it surged in her pulses. She was unaware of a thousand pair of eyes already focused upon her. Her heart was beating to the music. Her color was glowing to the softened refulgence of the thousand crystals of flame. Her nature was tingling with warmth and delight as the sight of the twenty-four great horses in the ring, six teams of four each, superbly accoutred, and arching their necks with conscious pride in their strength and breeding as they moved about on the tan-bark of the oval. Below her were scores of beings of all degrees in the social world, a fringe of men and women absorbingly interested in horses and nothing but horses hung upon the wooden rail about the ring as children might at a circus. 
behind them and frequently mingling with them were men in evening costume and women richly gowned who represented the sporting element of gotham's elect between these latter and the balustrade of the boxes paraded scores and droves of the curious frankly inspecting the occupants of favored seats above them all sorts and conditions were represented in this ever-moving procession from the wealthiest and most select to the poorest girl worker from some broadway office treating herself to this proximity to wealth and the science thereof far across and up and down the huge arena the scores of boxes were filled with the darlings of money and power and back and forth their occupants were visiting a hundred already alive with interest at the news that the princess had appeared robley stiverant arrived at the van kirk box almost at alice's heels he had barely time to pay his respects to the occupants and be formally presented to major rutherford and the curtises when the vesuvian romeo count faishi likewise arrived to be followed by young baron klimpsch captain fowler beau bremer of the diplomatic service and constant stream of eager visitors no less than half a dozen boxes were emptied forthwith as their holders joined the now congesting parade slowly moving by the place where thoroughly sat amused and too diverted by the horses and pageantry of notables to find conversation with stiverant or any other possible the princess gained in animation momentarily and her smile became more infectious and winning ah highness she heard count faishi murmur in his reckless ardour i am a-dropping from the clouds these days until i see you once again my wings are your smiles you will not see me dash to earth with all his rocks one smile i soar again ah <laughs> thoroughly had smiled it may not be denied you are very considerate she told him you fear the rocks might be broken virgin santissima no he assured her my heart she smiled again and yet he did not soar but instead edged closer with his chair it is a divinity he murmured it is above paradise and he did not finish his description stiverant was glowering upon him forbiddingly how utterly he loathed the being who could bring his grimaces and deportment of courtship to this public theatre but the interruption came from another source kelsey woods the dashing horseman of the park had crowded forward in the press below thurley's seat and saluting with his hat held up his hand for the formal grip that hundreds were exchanging between boxes and parade it began to fear you might not come he confessed with his usual candour been watching constantly i say i thought i might ask you to ride my hunter wednesday night and perhaps drive my hackneys as well what do you say thurley appeared all innocence all at once mr woods wouldn't it seem an innovation <laughs> did i make it sound like that he begged a reversion to my english schooling shocking habit uh, but you'll ride the hunter he's a beauty 
Alice leaned down above the throng. Kelsey would, she said, please take your temptations to another quarter. A sudden ripple of applause as a team of magnificent Norman Percherons received the blue ribbon for a first award, startled thoroughly to attention on the horses. They were trotting off like big, good-natured playfellows of toil, and the girl's softly glowing eyes abruptly focused on a new face, at which she gazed in unexplainable fascination. The face was that of a woman, a well-groomed, aristocratic-looking woman, with an air of something distinctly foreign in her composition. She was pale. Her face was of an olive tint, and it was large, too large for beauty or anything save a certain sense of strength. It was her eyes, however, that exercised the fascination. They were slightly slanted exceptionally wide apart and of the palest ice-blue color imaginable fixed upon thurley's face with singular intensity these eyes became for a moment the only visible objects presented to the girl in all the theatre of color and motion they were baleful poisonous seeming eyes penetrative and disturbingly insistent in their stare all their concentrated power appeared to be centered on the girl who felt herself swiftly losing her sense of joy and partaking of coldness of the nerves. By an effort Thurley wrenched her own honest gaze from the woman's and smiled up at Stiverin standing at Alice's side. In the grateful light he gave her from his warm gray eyes she felt new security, a comradeship that some way took her instantly back to that day in the park when a fall broke his wrist and placed him for a little in her care. End of chapter 12